In our readings, we continue to meditate on the words from the book of Genesis. And as you know, the, we have the call of Abraham and God called him, manifested him, himself to him. And Abraham followed. He went to the, left his homeland, uh, Basra war, which is the present day Iraq, followed the voice of God. And the Lord promised him that if he hears, if he listens to him, if he obeys his commands, if he follows him, that he will bless him exceedingly. If he heeds his voice and follows the, the interior movement of grace that he received, then God promised to, to bless him exceedingly. And he, he spoke of that his progeny would be as numerous as the stars of the sky or sands of the, of the shore. And then Abraham says, but I am too old. My wife is too old. How is it possible? How is it possible? And it's not possible, humanly speaking. And so the Lord speaks to him again. Yes, if you, if you place confidence in me, I will do so for you. And today in our reading, we see how Abraham uh, he is in front of his tent at Terebinth in Mamre is the place, the location where he was. And then he is uh, sitting in front of his tent, uh, basically almost got dozing off because it was, it was a very hot day at that time. And then he sees all of a sudden three visitors. But he speaks of these visitors. He speaks of Yahweh, of God, who comes to visit. Uh, it is very interesting how the Lord appeared to Abraham as Abraham sat there looking into the future, perhaps, who knows, perhaps tired, who knows, but he's still looking in the future. Is it possible that God will fulfill the promises he made? And here we have a very unusual situation because Abraham speaks in a single, singular, you, sir, speaking to God who has come to visit him, and yet there are three men, three messengers who come. And for Abraham, he understands this is a visitation of God. He became aware that this is God who has come to him. And, and then, then he receives this message that a year from this moment, they will come back and Sarah will have a child already. The child will be born. Uh, once again, Abraham, Kind of says, well, my wife and I are too old. And, and yet at the same time, even, and then Sarah, who overhears the conversation, she's kind of laughing to herself, well, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm too old. I have no more monthly periods. I have nothing. And, and, and yet, and yet, and yet we see how God, who's faithful, gives not only the promise to Abraham, but also makes possible the fulfillment of their promise even if it doesn't happen right away, even if it's something that happens in the future. God is faithful. And here what we have is an example of the fidelity of God to his promises. We have received the promises of Christ, the promises, the promises that we will be with him in paradise if we follow him, that he will be there for us, will never be left untended. This is the promise that God gives us. The promise he gave to Abraham came true. It's always fulfilled, even if it took a long time. Now, 
the visitation of Abraham is not only to him, but also to his nephew Lot. As you know, the same three angels, or perhaps Yahweh and two messengers, or perhaps Holy Trinity. As some of the early church fathers would say, why is Abraham speaking to these three men as one, sir? Why is he saying, which it seems to be not understandable, but the early church fathers would say, perhaps it's already, these are prefigurations of the Holy Trinity at work on our behalf, at work on behalf of us. And we know that Holy Trinity is always, always working on our behalf, the Father who sent his Son, and through the Holy Spirit, we have the power of grace, power of love, transforming this bread into Eucharist is the power that, that we have. And so we have this, this Trinitarian image. At the same time, it is God who speaks, the Adonai, the Lord who speaks and fulfills the promises. So we have faith here as a theme today, that faith, again, the faith of Abraham, the faith by which extraordinary things happen. And we, as human beings, you know, just like Peter says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. There's all, we believe, we, we gather here, we worship, we will honor him. And that there's always sometimes in the back of my mind, when will the Lord fulfill the promises he made when we ask him? When will the Lord take care of the things that we have and would we need to, to, to resolve? Sometimes there are problems, there's sometimes complications which go beyond our ability to even to understand. And yet we know that somehow God will provide. And this is that faith of Abraham. It is the faith today of the Gospel of Centurion. Here we have, you know, the, 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 the incredible gift that God gives us to, uh, to us today is Jesus points to Centurion, not a man of, not a, not a, not a, not a uh, man of, 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 of the covenant because he's not a Jewish man. And yet, he manifests an incredible faith. An example today of that centurion. Centurion approached Jesus and appealed to him, saying, my servant is lying at home paralyzed. Why would he care about servants? Their servants, there were a dime a dozen. At that time, many people were. And we see this centurion as a man who loves, respects even his servant. And he wants to do something extraordinary for him. And he believes that Jesus was able to do so. As we can see, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, suffering dreadfully. Was this suffering, was this servant young or old? We don't know. We do not know. But we only know that Centurion is a Roman, is a soldier. He has 100, 100, tro 100 troops under his command. Because Centurion means that there was 100 men under him, which means he was quite important. And, and he also knows two things. He also knows two things. Uh, not only is he asking Jesus, and Jesus responds to him, I will come and cure him. I will come. You know, the Lord speaks in the future that I will go there to your place and I will cure him. But the centurion knows that, that he's not Jewish, that he, uh, a Jewish rabbi or so should not be going into a, into a, a, a non-believer's place. He's not, he's not a man of faith. He says, Lord, I am not worthy to have you enter my roof. Only say the word and my soul or my servant will be healed. 
we quote centurion every time we celebrate mass we don't quote some saint we don't so we even don't go quote paul we could have you know quoted something that paul said man of faith or peter or other disciples we actually speak and use the words of a centurion before we receive the eucharist we know that is that incredible Lord, my, yes, Lord, I am not worthy to have you enter my roof. Only say the word, my servant will be healed. Um, and then he explains to himself, we look, I am, you know, I'm a, as a centurion, I order, give orders, people follow. And, and so he says to Jesus, you can also do that. You can say whatever you wish. You know, what an invitation to deep faith. Do you know that every time we say, uh, to Jesus when we receive him. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. You know, and you know what soul is? Soul is the very principle of who we are, the very principle of life we are, the principle of what ma manifests who we are at the deepest level of, of our being. So if the soul is healed, then the body also will manifest itself in, in proper attitude, in proper ways of responding, and, you know, our emotions will be also in check because that's the principle of our life. So when we say to, to Jesus, you know, yes, I believe in you. I believe in you that through the Eucharist, you can do all these things for me. You can do, and my soul will be healed. My soul, the very principle of who I am, with all my brokenness, with everything that I have to contend with, the, the, the realities of each life, or disorders that we have, wounds that we have, all the things which impede our decision-making, all these things which actually sometimes lead us astray, our disordered passions, everything that's there to the Eucharist, if we believe in Him, if we believe in Him, that He's able to accomplish what He says, then our lives will be healed, restored, uh, we will be able to focus on things we need to do in a proper way. This is the power of the Eucharist. This is why this gospel is so important for us, because it is the centurion who gives us an example of faith, and this type of faith which actually is able to accomplish extraordinary things. And so, so the centurion leaves. He doesn't even say, come and check it out if, it was, if, if, if the servant is healed. No, at that very hour, the servant was healed. But Jesus makes a very powerful statement and a challenge to all of us. I say to you, in no one in Israel have I found such faith. These are men and women of a covenant relationship. They follow the example of Abraham, the example of, of Moses and the prophets. And Jesus says to, to, to the people, to his disciples, those who are following and those who are he, within his hearing, he says, I say to you, in no one in Israel have I found such faith. And then he says a big challenge to the, to the people of, 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 of the covenant, but also all of us. I say to you, many will come from the east and west and we recline with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob at the banquet in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom will be driven out into outer darkness where they will be wailing and grinding of teeth because they missed the opportunity. So the invitation is that we have to retain that faith. 
or pray for that faith or say, at least as St. Peter says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief, because it's a prayer. It's a prayer that we, that we have. And then, and then what we see in the gospel, we continue is that Jesus then enters the house of Peter and he sees his mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and fever left her and she rose and waited on him. But then there's a bit even deeper reflection. When it was evening, many brought him, all, all people who were sick, uh, they were possessed by demons who experienced various types of illnesses. And he drove out the spirits by word and cured all the sick to fulfill what had been said by Isaiah the prophet. He took away our infirmities and bore our diseases. And we know that. Even though we, we still are experiencing and, and may experience even more difficulties in life, but we have one powerful gift that God gives us is his son. And that son, when he comes to us, we know he's, he's able to, to cure, he's able to heal, he's all able to remove evil from us. Uh, and, and we have confidence in him for, for he's true to his promises. Today, although we do not formally celebrate, but today is the feast of Saint, Saint Jose Maria Escriva. Members of the Opus Dei honor him today. Opus Dei is a special prelature, it's like a diocese composed as a personal, personal diocese, is not, you know, a, a local geographical, but whoever follows the, the path of the Opus Dei, today they honor him. And, you know, and I, have, I happened to be in Rome on uh, October 6, 2002, and I happened to be part of that big celebration um, in St. Peter's, and there's a huge, huge number, of maybe over 400,000 maybe or so, people, participants who, who were there, members of, of the uh, Opus Dei. But it was John Paul who canonized him. And there were many wonderful things that he spoke at that time about uh, Jose Maria Escriva. Because, you know, his whole purpose was to, to uh, respond to the gift that Christ gives us and share it with everyone, especially laity, this type of call to holiness. And he wanted to make sure that each baptized person, each baptized Catholic, would really live his or her faith to that fullness of, of, of those baptismal promises that they would, would not shortchange it. And, and, and for him, he wanted to make sure that, that the, the people understood that the gift that they have received by baptism is able to transform the world not only from within their own hearts, but also transform the world by, by the fact is that each Christian is a powerful witness. Each family bears such incredible influence upon the society that is able to transform like leaven, transforms the, the, the flour into bread. And so he really, really believed. And so following St. John Paul, the says, following in his footsteps, spread in society, and this is when he was talking to these huge number of, of, of members of the Opus Dei, following in his footsteps, spread in society without distinction of race, class, culture, or age, the awareness that we are all called to holiness. We are all called to holiness, but 
according to the advice of Jose Maria, Saint Jose Maria, it's his first prayer, then expiation, and third, in a third place, action. Because without prayer, we cannot really accomplish much because our actions will be limited. So prayer and then expiation, because we have to do penance for, the, for our sins or penance for others. We have to do, especially like praying the chaplet is the one way of doing penance, because we ask God to, for his mercy upon the whole world. That we entrust, we ask, you know, Father, the Father to forgive us, to be merciful to us on account of the sufferings and death of his son. So it's, a, it's an act of expiation. We participate in this act of expiation by praying for one another, by making up for the things that we've done. And the most powerful way of making up is not only prayer, but also act, concrete acts of love on behalf of others. That's, that's a way of, of expiating the, you know, that which, which, you know, which we need to do because of, of our own sins we have limited or have introduced poison into society. So we have to make up for that. And so that's the secret. The secret, the fruitfulness of apostolate is all in prayer and intense and constant sacramental life because by participating in, in you know, going to confession, receiving the Holy Eucharist, we, we have become empowered by grace. We remove the junk that we have, which drags us down and we cleanse our souls. And then we are able to, to, uh, to offer our, the gifts that God gave us to others. And so the secret of holiness is actually joining our hearts with the, with the will of the Father, cleansing ourselves through the, through the gifts of, of the mercy and being able to, in an intense way, bring forth into our culture, into our environment, uh, God's redemptive message of love and mercy and, and, a, and a call to God's kingdom. So, so this is something that is, is, is very important because we have to rediscover, uh, as as Saint, Ma, Saint Jose Maria Escriva would say, the redemptive power of faith, the redemptive power of faith. Uh, and today, as we hear the, the power of faith of Abraham, even though it's been 4,000 years ago, but he's still with us, you know, giving this example, the redemptive power of faith of even Centurion and what happens to his servant, the redemptive power of faith of Peter who brought his, you know, his, his Jesus to his home and healed the mother-in-law, the redemptive power of faith of those who came to Jesus seeking freedom from possessions of the evil one or from, or from sickness. It's a redemptive power of faith. And so we have here, uh, the, the, the examples, but above all, we also have the redemptive power of faith of our Blessed Mother. Let it be done to me according to your word. Let it be done, allowing God to be God, allowing God to function within our hearts as a special guest, as a special friend, with all the things that the Lord has brought, and especially the, with the gift of, of the Holy Spirit. So may we then today, as we continue with the sacred liturgy, we're invited by the Lord today to reaffirm our faith, the, our faith. We have such, such a powerful gift that no one can underestimate. The greater the, the trust in, in God's love, in the faith, the greater gifts God will give it, give it to us. 
you know, there's a, for a little summary, you know, Jesus says to Faustina, the, the gifts that you receive, the graces that you receive, is by, by, by trust. The greater the trust, the greater gifts. I can work extraordinary things through you, but if, if you do not really uh, believe, you question, you doubt, then I can't do those things. I cannot do it. So allow ourselves, let us allow ourselves to be such men and women of great faith and trust that God can work through us extraordinary things. And we have to hold him to his promises. He promises. It's not we just talk about it, but he does. And we see in the lives of great saints like Jose Maria, St. John Paul II, all the saints of today, Faustina, what do they do? Allow themselves to be used by God and the path by which do so is confidence in Him, trust in Him, faith in Him, because that's the path by which the Lord works and He accomplishes extraordinary things and also leads us home. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.